How many are thankful that he has given us weapons to use that are powerful and mighty and make a difference in this, in this spiritual walk we have? Amen? God did not leave you defenseless. In fact, he tells us that the battles that we face, the battle belongs to him. But he wants us to partner with him in the fight, in the battle. So he gives us armor. Well, today we're going to look at uh, the sixth item of weaponry that God's given us in this text. Let's start with uh, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Everybody say that with me. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I want to talk to you today about the sword of the Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I liked swords. I liked knives, you know. Made me feel cool. In fact, I, I had a sword that... Uh, I got in Mexico when I was a little boy, and it was, it was a nice big sword, and it hung on my wall for years, and then somehow it disappeared. I think my mom got a hold of it and trashed it. <laughs> but I like swords. Being a guy, I like weapons. But what I want us to see in this passage, there's several things about the sword of the Spirit and the Word of God. And it's my prayer that when we leave today, we would be excited about the armor that God has given us. That we would live our lives suited up in that armor, ready to face the battles when they come. Now, spiritual warfare is a lot like physical warfare in this sense. That when you're in a physical battle, if, we're, if our country goes to war, we don't continue at war. There is a time of peace that eventually comes. A time when the troops come back from the foreign fields, defending our nation. And when that happens, they come home to their families and they rest and they're refreshed. So battles don't continue. Wars don't continue continually. And it's the same way in the spiritual realm. We can go along through life and everything will be going great and we'll be fruitful in our walk with God. We'll be growing and maturing in Him. And then there will come a time that all of a sudden, bam, the enemy will begin to attack us in some way. It may be through our health. It may be through our emotions. It may be just attack of the lies of the enemy that we can't go forward. We can't do what God's called us to do. But the enemy will come and attack us. And so God has given us armor, church, so that when the attacks do come, we're ready. We're not trembling. We're not afraid. We're not ready to run and hide. We're ready to meet the enemy head on. We submit ourselves, therefore, unto God, and we resist the devil. And Scripture says he will flee from us. Amen? That's God's promise to you. 
And in that promise is us being ready to resist Him. How do we resist Him? We have the full armor of God on. We have spiritual weapons that are able to stand against the enemy and see Him run. Now this study, I want to make this clear as well. This study isn't so that we go around everywhere looking for the enemy. Now some people, when they they come to this passage of Scripture, they get caught up in the idea of spiritual warfare, that there are powers and principalities, and the next thing you know, they're always on the guard looking around behind every door. They're expecting a demon. And that's not what this study's for, church. It's for those times when you know that there is a devil and his intent is attacking you and hindering you from what God has promised you and for what God has for your life. Amen? Now the the verse we're focusing on is verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation, we talked about that last week, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit. Now to understand the sword that Paul is talking about here, we really need to understand the other weapons that the Romans were using when it came to swords. There were about five main swords that the Romans used. The first sword that I, that I want us to think about, it was called the gladius sword. Now the gladius sword was a long sword, it was broad, it was wide, it was very heavy, it was a two-handed sword. In other words, in battle, to, to maneuver it, you'd have to have both hands on it because it was so heavy. And one side of it would be sharp, but the other side would be very blunt. And that that was a, a, a massive sword. It was also something that was very beautiful. But, but church, that was not a, a practical sword, and they realized that when it, when it came to a battle in the history of the Roman Empire, Carthaginians defeated them, and the Carthaginians had swords that were smaller, more maneuverable, so the, the Romans, after they suffered this great defeat, they began to pattern their swords after the swords of the Carthaginians. Now, the second sword that they used was shorter and narrower. It was about 17 inches long. It was only two and a half inches wide. So it was a lot easier to maneuver, a lot lighter, and it became the standard in the Roman Empire because it was so easy to swing and carry. Now, the third sword that the Romans used was for the cavalry. Or no, this was for the, it was a dagger. It was more like a dagger. It was a short sword. And it was almost like a dagger. And it was used as a concealed weapon. It was hidden underneath their coat in a a sheath. And they would carry it. And it was short. And it was for coming upon an enemy up close. When the enemy would be, you know, not out there several feet away. But he'd be coming and he would be in close quarters. And they would take that that little sword, and they would use it like a dagger into the enemy. It was easy to maneuver, and they just stabbed the enemy. And it was small, and it was designed to stab vital parts of the enemy. Now the third sword, or the fourth sword, is the one that I started to refer to, and it was the cavalry sword. And it was long and narrow and slender, and it was used mainly by the Roman cavalry. 
And this sword was similar in some ways to what we would, in fact, it was used as a sport similar to fencing today. So it was along those lines. But it was really impractical for battle as well. And it was the fifth sword that we see Paul using in describing the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, the the sword that Paul is describing was a two-edged sword. It was razor sharp on both sides. It was about 19 inches long. And it was the most dangerous sword that the Romans had. In fact, it was so dangerous and the reputation of this sword preceded itself that when the enemies would go into battle, they would see that sword. It would bring fear and trembling to the enemies of Rome. It was easy to wield, and it was a sword that was so sharp that it would just rip the enemy in two. And I'm not trying to get graphic, but I'm trying to to get you to understand because I want you to relate this to spiritual warfare. And that is the sword that Paul uses to describe the sword of the Spirit. It was a two-edged sword that would inflict a wound worse than any other sword that the soldiers had in Rome. The name of the sword, in the Greek, the word that the text is taken from, is machera. Machera. And Paul uses this as a picture, and it's important. Because he wants you to understand that God has given you a weapon that puts fear and trembling into the enemy. He has given you a weapon that is sharp on both sides that will rip and shred the attacks of the enemy and stop him where he stands. He wants you to know he has given you a weapon that is fatal to your enemy. That will stop him. Amen? And so when we leave this place today, I pray that that would just sink into your heart. That you would realize that you are girded up with a weapon from the Lord that's powerful. Amen? It's mighty. Now Paul goes on and he describes this sword in detail. He says, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And you hear people all the time, they'll take the Bible and they say, I've got my sword right here. This is my weapon right here. God's given me His Word. And yes, this is our sword. But the word here is important for us to understand. The word here that's used from the Greek is rhema. And it doesn't speak of the entirety of God's Word. It speaks of a select portion of God's Word. And that's what I want us to understand today. The word rhema, the definition tells you this. It describes something that is spoken clearly. It's spoken in undeniable language. It's spoken in certainty. And it's spoken definitely. That's what rhema means. Now in the New Testament, the word rhema, the idea is this. And I love this. The idea is that the Holy Spirit takes a Scripture or a part of a Scripture from the Word of God or a passage of Scripture from the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit takes that Scripture 
And he places it in your hands like a spiritual sword at a time when the enemy's coming against you to attack, to hinder you, to stop you, to bring fear, to bring lies into your life. And he will remind you of a particular verse or a particular passage of Scripture. Or he will speak something into your heart and life. And you know without a doubt you have heard from the Lord. Amen? You know that you have heard a word from God. And it's not just a verse that you read and you know and you've read it in the past. It's a verse that the Holy Spirit quickens to your heart and to your mind. And you know God is speaking that into my heart right now. God is placing that as a sword of the Spirit in my hands that I can battle against the enemy and stop him in the name of Jesus. That's what a rhema word is. So it's not talking in, the, in this verse right here, it's not talking about the entirety of God's word, but it's talking about a portion of God's word that, that the Holy Spirit enlightens, brings to our remembrance, and we take that in our hand and we fight the enemy. Amen? And church, I want to tell you, we're living in a time when we need to fight the enemy. Amen? We need to stand against Him with all that we are. We need to protect our families. And we need to realize that there is a spiritual battle from time to time that the enemy comes against us with and we're going to stand and we're going to stand and we're going to continue to stand and we're going to be victorious in the name of Jesus. Jesus refers to this work of the Spirit in John chapter 14, verse 26. It says, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things, and listen to this, and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit will drop that rhema word in our hearts so that we're ready to engage the enemy, ready to stand in battle. Like the other pieces of armor... That God has given us. Now the sword and the loin belt are inseparable. They're, they're connected. Okay, We talked about this in the beginning. That the loin belt held all the other armor to, together. It, it made the, the battle dress complete. In the same way, they're connected here. In the sense that this is the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit takes that portion out for us and, and gives it to us to use as a weapon against the enemy. In, Phil, in Philippians, I want to give you some examples. How many have ever had financial difficulties? Oh, some of you are well off here and you don't have a problem with that, huh? Okay. We've all had financial difficulties at one time or another, most of us anyway. And I want to ask you, what has happened in your life when, the, when you've experienced that? Maybe you had something tragic happen in the family. Maybe you had something devastating. Maybe you didn't have insurance to cover it. Maybe you had a great loss financially. Maybe you lost your job. They laid you off. Some of you may be in that situation right now. How many during those, those situations, how many have you had the enemy begin to whisper lies and begin to attack you and launch those fiery darts at you that will tell you you're not going to make it? 
You're going you're gonna to lose your home. You're going to lose everything. Your wife's going to leave you because you can't support the family any longer. Or you're not going to be able to make it. Or you, you, your car's broken. You don't have the money to get it fixed. You're not going to make it. You can't come up with the money. That's how the enemy works, church. But what happens is that the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance a word and He will place it in your hands, in your heart and in your mind that you can use that word to stand against the lying enemy. Amen? Philippians 4.19, this is just an example where the Holy Spirit would come to you and say, And my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Amen? So you take that. It, it's quickened in your heart. You know the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. So you take that sword of the Spirit. And you say, devil, you're a liar, and I'm not going to believe it. I'm going to trust in the Word of God, and I'm coming ag against you with the sword of the Spirit. I'm not going to believe your lie. I'm going to believe the Word of God. And I'm going to take that Word of God, and I'm going to run the enemy through. Amen? That's what I'm talking about. Where you, say, Lord, where you say, Lord, I thank you for your promise. I thank you for your word. Lord, I'm in your hands, and I don't know how you, you're going to do it, but you're going to do it. Church, I've experienced this time and time and time again. As a pastor, there's been times when our finances were, were running behind. We were actually spending more money than what was coming in. And I called the deacons together, and I said, we've got to pray. We're not doing well at all. And we're going the wrong direction. And time and time again, I've had people come unexpectedly, people that weren't even members of the church, that would come and they would put a check in the offering or hand me a check. I had a man one time, he said, I don't go to church, but I tithe. And it's the end of the year, so here's my yearly tithe. And he handed me a check for $8,000 for the church. So for the end of the year, instead of being in, in the red, we were in the black. I've had it happen personally, and I've shared this before, but when I came to the church here, the church was struggling. We could barely keep the lights on, pay the heat. They couldn't pay me anything. The devil lied to me and said, you're going to go to that church and you're going to fail. You're not going to have any money. You're not going to be able to pay your own bills. And he just lied and lied. And I said, no, I know that God has called me here without a doubt. I know that God's going to supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. What happened before I left Anchor Point when the enemy was lying to me about that, trying to stop me from coming here? A lady walks up to me in the church. I, I hadn't known her very well. She had just started attending the church. A sweet lady, but I, I didn't know her very well. I didn't, I didn't think she had any money at all. You know, she, she was, a lot of people in Anchor Point struggle. They're a pretty poor area. She walked up and said, The Lord told me to give you this, Pastor, to help you get started. And she handed me a check for $3,000. So church, I want you to know it's true. It's real. And God wants you to take the sword that He places in your hands and run it through the enemy and say, no, I'm not going to believe those lies. Amen? Maybe He's attacking you concerning your health. And maybe the Holy Spirit gives you a sword. 
Maybe the enemy's telling you that you've got a sickness that you'll never get over. You've got a disease that runs in your family that you'll never, never be able to conquer. They don't have a cure for it. There's nothing you can do. You're going to struggle the rest of your life with this sickness or disease. And the Holy Spirit reminds you of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Speaking of Jesus, who Himself bore our sins in His own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. And He reminds you that not only did Jesus pay for our sins on the cross, but Scripture makes it clear He paid for our physical healing as well. Amen? So you continue to trust the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit gives you that verse. And you say, devil, it doesn't matter if there's not a cure for what I've got because Jesus has a cure for every sickness and disease. Amen? Just a couple of weeks ago, Mary was healed in a prayer meeting. She had been fighting a sickness in her lungs for three years and gone to all the doctors and the specialists in the field and, and they tried, but there was nothing helping her. God touched her at a prayer meeting and guess what? She's whole today from a disease for three years. But she didn't give up! She kept holding the, the, the sword of the Spirit and the Word of God. She kept stabbing the enemy. Enemy, get off me. Get off me. Stop it. I'm the victor here because I'm God's son. I'm God's daughter. Amen. Some of us, when the enemy attacks, what do we do? We're suited up in the armor. We're not to hide, we're not to shun, we're not to turn around. We're to say, Lord, give me the sword of the Spirit. Put it in my hands. And when that Holy Spirit, when He gives you that sword, you take it in your hand and you begin to do battle with the enemy and you stab him and run him through. Amen? When you're faced with difficult situations, the Holy Spirit reaches into your reservoir of Scripture. Church, that's why we need to read God's Word. And I'm not saying you have to have the whole entire Bible memorized before you can use the sword of the Spirit. I know brand new Christians that begin to read the Word and the Holy Spirit begins to bring just the few chapters and verses that they have read and the Holy Spirit will take hold of it and drop it in their heart and mind and they'll begin to wield that sword of the Spirit. But I encourage you to read the Word, to know God's Word. Give Him a vast reservoir to choose weapons from to put in your hand. The picture that will help us understand this is probably the gladius sword. That was the first sword that I talked about. Remember, it's long and it's heavy and weighty. It's broad, you know, wide and, and sharp on one side and blunt on the other. And, and, you know, it's hard to wield around. It's like you're a little kid trying to pick up your daddy's sword. But, it, but when, it, when it hits... It makes a big whack. 
And that's the idea of the entirety of God's Word. It's more like the gladius sword. But there's, there's times that you need just that terrifying, short, maneuverable sword from the, from, uh, from the Holy Spirit to fight that battle, pointed and defeat the enemy. In fact, there's a uh, historian from the 4th century in Rome. Vegetius was his name. And this is what he wrote concerning battles with swords. He says, A stroke with the edges, though made with ever so much force, seldom kills. As the vital parts of the body are defended by both bones and armor. On the contrary, a stab through, though it a stab, though it penetrates but two inches, is generally fatal. And that's exactly what Paul is telling us in this passage. That's exactly the, the type sword that he wants us, something that's quick, easy to maneuver, powerful. And he doesn't want us taking a big whack at the enemy. He wants us to run him through right at the point that he's coming against us at. I've shared with you many times, but we have guests here today. And one of the, this is personal. I, I shared some of the things with me, but my grandmother received a word from the Lord like this. When my grandfather was dying, I've told this story many times. I won't go through all the details, but he had gangrene. The doctor said he's dying. The doctor sent her home, and she... She had to begin to pray, and she had five kids. She said, I need my husband, Lord. And the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, gave her Psalm 91, verse 16. And I'll never forget when my grandparents shared what God did and passed it down to me, how that God took a verse, and that verse came alive in her heart, and she just took hold of that verse that God had given her. And she, no matter what the enemy said, she just kept poking him. <laughs> With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. She told the doctors, do whatever you can, but God's, God's going to do it. He's going to do the rest. He lived to be 92 years old. When I'd ask him, how long are you going to live, Granddad? He'd say, God's guaranteed me I can live until I'm satisfied. That's what he'd tell me. And you know when I leave this world that I am satisfied and ready to go be, to be with Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. God wants to do that in our lives. Amen? We see examples in Scripture. In Genesis, with Abram or Abraham. In, in the, the 12th chapter, the first three verses, it says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, get, out, get uh, from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Abraham believed the word of the Lord. 
He took that short promise of God and he began to live his life according. He allowed God to guide him, God to direct him. And guess what, church? It was the beginning of the Jewish nation. And he's also a beginning of, uh, of, of our spiritual relationship, our faith walk with God. Because the New Testament says he is the father to each one of us in the faith. He took it. He walked it out. And, and also, Joseph's life. In Genesis chapter 37, I won't uh, go into great detail. There's a whole passage there. Just what's well, actually just a, three verses. But he says, basically, I had two dreams, and uh, God's going to raise me up, and y'all are going to bow down to me. Before you tell that to your friends and family, you might want to really pray about it. But God was in it. God used it. I'm just joking. He tells them this. He tells them, you know, I had the, sheath, the dream about the sheath, and my sheath stood up, and all yours bowed down. And they go, what? You think you're going to be Lord over us? But God used it. He went through difficult things, but God's hand was on him. He still believed God's promise. He still believed the dream that God gave to him. Amen. And we see he protected not only his family, but the Jewish nation. He protected them. We see it in the life of Mary. And I want to read this one. Everybody turn to Luke. And we're going to close. Worship team, you can come. I want to look at Luke chapter 1. Mary received a word from the Lord. In verse 28, it says, and having come in, in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. In verse 30, the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Of the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Verse 35, and the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is how the sixth month for her who was called barren. Now, listen to verse 37. This is what I wanted to get to. All this is a word for her. For with God, nothing will be impossible. For with God, nothing will be impossible. But what I want us to note is, in the original language, it says it a little different than that. It's the same truth, but it brings it and says it in a little different way. In the literal translation of that verse, it says, No word of God is without power. (laughs) Did anybody get that? No word of God is without power. 
When God places that word in your hand for a sword, it is powerful. And church, it's time that we quit running from the enemy and hiding and worried about him attacking. To When he attacks, just run him through with the word. It's the sword of the Spirit. Will you stand with me? When the Lord brought me to Wasilla, to this precious church, one of the things He spoke into my heart was that we needed to be a church of excellence for Him. Excellence in the, the way we look. Excellence in our ministry. Excellence in our walk with God. Excellence in our teaching. Excellence in our preaching. And one of the things, church, that I believe a church has to do to be an excellent church is to preach the Word of God. I don't preach self-help stuff because Jesus is our only help. Paul told Timothy, preach the Word. And that's why I constantly talk about God's Word. That's why I constantly challenge you to study God's Word, to meditate on it, to know God's Word. So that the Holy Spirit has that reservoir of Scripture already in your heart and mind. So that when the attacks come, the Holy Spirit simply takes that verse and brings it to your remembrance. And you take that sword and you remember that no Word of God is without power. No Word of God is without power. Amen? That's the church that God's called us to be. And I'm going to have our prayer team come forward and around the back. And if you have a need this morning and you want to pray with one of our team, they would love to pray with you. Because they believe God's Word. They believe that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. They believe that when any two agree is touching anything on earth, that whatsoever they shall ask of the Father in heaven, it shall be done. They believe the promises of God. And today I, I really think that there are those that you're experiencing some kind of attack. And you need today for the Holy Spirit to give you that verse, to place that sword in your hand that you can stand against the enemy. That you can see him run fear and tremble in fear and trembling. That you can run him through and know that he's defeated and know that you have the victory. Father, I just thank you today for everyone that's here. Lord, I bless this church. I bless every guest and I, I bless every adherent, Lord, every member of this church. And I pray, Lord, that we would just hunger and thirst for more and more of You. That we would strive to be a church of excellence in every way. Especially, Lord, when it comes to Your Word. I pray, Lord, that, that, that nothing but Your Word would be taught from this pulpit. I pray, Lord, that our people would hunger for Your Word.
and know your word and hide it in their hearts that they might not sin against you. Lord, that we would have a great reservoir, each one of us, for the Holy Spirit to choose that sword of the Spirit to place in our hand that will stop the enemy in his tracks. And Lord, as we come to this time of prayer, I pray if there's anyone here that doesn't know Jesus is Lord. If they don't know where they stand with you and they want to leave this building today knowing without a doubt that they're right with Jesus, that they would come and find someone to pray with. Lord, if there are those that are in a physical battle or those that are in financial battle, emotional battle, relationship battle, Whatever it is today, Lord, we ask you to just place that sword in our hands that we can stand and see the enemy defeated. Hallelujah. As Mitch begins to lead the worship team, would you, would you come and you find we're going to spend just a few moments. Would you come and pray?